Hi there. This is Kai Yen, and I am in Atlanta today with a couple of folks, and we are going to talk about social media. Um, lots of things to talk about social media. It's been really hot, especially um, in the area of recruiting. And so I'm with a couple of folks here that I think we're going to uh, they'll have a lot of great things that uh, you'll really be interested in. So I've got on my left here um, Stephen Nemeth, who's our Director of Strategy and Planning. Um, and I've also got Jordan with me, um, who's our Head of uh, Community Management. And the first, I think the first thing we're going to kick off with is um, this idea of like, what, what is social media? I think today it's gotten uh, pretty confused because there's a lot of channels that um, get lumped into social media, and especially the one that comes to mind immediately is email, right? Is that email is often managed like very similarly, but like, is that social media? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. For me, I think that social has gone so many different places. I mean, the classic joke was like, Facebook is not a social strategy um, for years and years and years and years. But I think, you know, for many people, when they think about social, it still means Facebook, Twitter, and maybe Instagram. Well, link, I think for recruitment, you have yeah. to throw LinkedIn, link, right? LinkedIn, yeah, exactly. Um, and I think that, that it, it's maybe limiting. So I think that like those are platforms that people can manage, and I think those are highly, highly relevant. But I think how you define social can often define your strategy. So um, you know, in many ways, I think how we're beginning to approach things is much more of like platforms that can support com content and commenting would be what we would kind of, kind of consider social, um, outside of something like a website. So I think that often, um, you know, ECRM is still a bit of a mythical beast as it comes to to recruitment. Um, there's huge potential in it, but I think as they as we move forward, like email is still an enormous, enormous platform for being able to share content, and it is the type of thing that people I think often will forward an email on and say, "Hey, check this out. Thought of you." And think about how many emails that you get on a regular basis that are like that. Um, or people being not able to IM stuff. So I think when you kind of consider social within that broader context, um, I think it's really about shareable content in many ways. Um, and it's about like the platforms that have shareable content on it. So, so I think it's really, it's interesting that you mentioned like instant messaging though, right? That in considering that that could be like, you could consider that a social channel. Well, I think, I think it, it's important also when you think about companies because so many companies now have corporate instant messaging. I mean, either a link or whatever they call it, Skype for Business Now or something like that, um, or even like informal through like AIM or Google Talk. Um, I think it's really relevant. I think, you know, you think about something like um, maybe not external. Um, it's a little bit kind of weird if a recruiter just randomly IM'd you, but uh, <laughs> it happened, I guess. Um, but I think uh, the growth of messaging platforms actually does make that a reality. Um, Facebook Messenger has become bigger. A lot more e-commerce is going into Facebook Messenger to do customer service. There's no reason why. I, mean, I wouldn't even be surprised if LinkedIn released a messenger service. I mean, they kind of have a fake one up through the inbox, but um, a more robust play. Um, but I think from an internal perspective, like internal mobility, like using LinkedIn to be, or using instant message to be able to share jobs and things like that, I think would be a really interesting play. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. You know, what I actually really want to talk about on this whole subject is the idea of social media and whether it's still social. So... Yeah. Right. That's a great point. Because right. I know yeah. you, like, I heard you mention earlier that notion that a lot of people who had blogs are, like, turning comments off, right? Yeah. Right, right. So you think about all of the different channels that we have, and even the way that we used to use Facebook or we used to use Twitter, and you think about how people use it today. I mean, it's just to post videos, it is just to post articles, and is it that somebody is reading that, you know, 
For mm -hmm. a consumer, you don't really know if somebody is clicking on your stuff and reading it and all. Um, we definitely see this kind of metrics with companies, but are we inviting this social aspect along with these channels? You know, yeah. Is it really social anymore? That, yeah. So that's a great point, right? If you don't, if you're not posting things that are encouraging interaction and you don't provide people with ways to interact, how's that different from maybe putting up that message up on a billboard? Yeah, is it, is right. it just Billboard is decidedly not social. There, there's a fallacy for a lot of people of like comment equals goal, and right. I don't think that that's the case, mm. right? That in many cases, like, there, people can't be expected to take action. Applying for a job is not easy. Like, it, we need to remember that. Yeah. Like, it is an onerous process. It is annoying. It is long. No one likes it. So, you know, it's not something you're just like, you know, you can't just go and buy something really quickly the same way. It's not like one click on Amazon. So I think, like, the action that you would take from social is going to be different. It might be reading an article, right? But likes should be considered okay because commenting gets kind of weird at some point because it's like, well, what am I going to comment on this? I'm like, it's just interesting, right? And nobody... I rarely do see on social, like, how interesting, right? Like, that, that's what the like button is for, right? Or maybe the share button is for. Th those are all spammers and, and who post that And it's that really stuff. important to remember, actually, I think, in social, mm -hmm. job searching um, is, like, social is such a public platform, right? Mm -hmm. And job searching is such a private activity that it, they, the two really don't match in the same way that you could in, in a consumer space. And it's really important to remember that. Like, mm -hmm. sharing in an something from like a career social media play platform is going to be weird if no one knows that you're hunting for a job. Yeah. Which is why I think within our model, um, when we approach social media, um, you know, when Jordan and I are crafting a social strategy, we always make sure that employees are important in that channel. And in some, t in some cases, I'd actually say we prioritize the employee in the channel because what we know is that you know, so in almost every company, referrals are the number one source of quality hires. Mm -hmm. Right, you know, and people are connected to communities of often similar jobs types in sort of similar areas. So, what we've often, what we've begun shifting towards is like engaging the employees, and, our, and increasingly, I think we see our social media geared towards employees specifically, and saying like this should be about engaging them, giving them content behind the scenes of stuff they may not know or things that they want to share to their communities, mm -hmm. with the hope that that drives a candidate interest. Because I think it's an, it's not a it's not a realistic expectation that your candidate's going to come on and be like I'm going to like that page, because the engagement's going to be there for like two months and then it dies off. Right. So that's okay. So you said something that I thought was really interesting that I hadn't really thought of, which was that notion that your social media channels might be targeted not just to candidates but also to employees, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And like, is that something that you could see we could incorporate into? Uh, like a single editorial calendar, like when we were planning out how we're going to approach it, or is that something that you have to look at as like a whole different animal in and of itself? Good question. Um, I mean, I think it's something that you don't have to look at as, as something separate. I think that when you're looking at content, you can look at it in many different ways. And so if this is something that, you know, definitely plays to the employee, it's something that they're going to want to know about and then share so that the rest of their audience sees that this is something that's important to an employee. So that if I were an employee this company, this is something I'd be caring about. Mm. And that's, that's something you can definitely... But, I mean, to your point, right, yeah. I think that a lot of stuff that might seem very employee-centric is actually very candidate-centric. So it's like health benefits you might not know about as an employee, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, that's actually really useful for an employee, but actually a candidate, that can actually reveal stuff. Like, did you know that we have a 3% match for a 401k or something like that? So a lot of that content does cross over because it's people who are interested in the life of the company beyond necessarily the products. 
Oh, that's interesting. Right. Yeah, and I heard, so it, this is now reminding me of something that I heard somebody refer to of the, the notion of thinking about your career site as like day zero onboarding. Yeah. That re really these folks, you should almost treat them like they already are employees. Yeah, we, right? we, we actually, I mean, that, that was a, there, there was a big discussion that we kind of had internally at this point of like, should we even be talking about candidates anymore? And I think we're, we're probably a few, few years out from that, but like there's a very, very strong argument to be made to basically say you should, there is no such thing as a candidate. They are all potential employees who either drop out sooner or later because most employees, you know, eventually leave the company. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah. So the thing is, your candidates are just leaving the company a little bit earlier. So the thing is, if and I think it's a good question for actually any recruiter. Like, if you didn't put that artificial separation between candidate, employee, and alumni, and treated everyone as an employee, how would what you say and talk and think about change? Um, would would you create that artificial separation? You know, and I think it's, it's the same way with like when we treat people. You know, it's like, do you treat everyone as intelligent, or do you be like, well, like they're kids, so they probably can handle it, and they're a young adult, so they're gonna, you know, and I think it's it's a philosophical argument, and I think for every company it has to be different. Right, I think there's that transparency, but if you're not in the organization, maybe it's taken out of context, yeah. and it's not easy. Oh, that's a good easy point. To understand, yeah. especially if we're still talking about social, it's something that comes out there. Yeah. Maybe it doesn't, you know, apply to you. You don't quite understand or misread it if you're not part of the organization. Yeah, I think you can't talk to them exactly like their employees, right? I think there there is some of that, but mm -hmm. I, I think it's more that you know, if you treated them, let's say maybe not as five-year veterans, but like as new, a new employee, right? Mm -hmm. And a candidate and a new employee are actually very similar. Like you want to tell them about the culture. Right, you want to help them understand what they're going to get from the company. You want to help them understand how the company works. Those needs are the same from a candidate and a mm -hmm. employee. It's just one now has a job offer and is getting a paycheck from you. So that's yeah. So so what I find what what's coming to mind for me then is this notion that what you guys are describing is that the, the, actually somebody being hired in terms of sort of messaging and the way you might connect with them is almost kind of an arbitrary milestone. Okay, yeah. so follow me. It's almost kind of like an arbitrary milestone. And really, the difference between where somebody is along that journey is simply context. Yeah. It's what they already know. And if you think about it, right, the moment before somebody's hired, they've got all this paperwork in front of them, mm -hmm. to then 30 seconds later after they've signed it, their context is still exactly the same, right? It really hasn't yeah. changed that much. Yeah. So the things that you would have told them right before are really wouldn't be that different from what you told them right after. There was just this arbitrary milestone of them signing this paper. And, and it, it's, I mean, it basically, it's the same thing. Okay, so you're in a relationship, right? And and all of a sudden, you're like, be my boyfriend. And it's kind of like, okay, like, so yes, it's there's something official. And I, I guess, in, you know, in theory, it's like, oh, we're exclusive now or something. But, like, nothing really changed. Right. You still like that person. You still want to get to know them. So I think it is. It, I mean, it, it's not arbitrary, and it is arbitrary at the same time. It's, it's really relevant, and I think when you're considering social, right, like, what are you really trying to do there? You're trying to build brand advocates, um, whether someone is engaged as a candidate or not. Mm -hmm. You're trying to help people understand who you are, create that kind of filter, mm -hmm. um, and to a degree, like, create pride and, and celebration. You know, I think in so many cases, we don't celebrate employees on social except to say, oh, here's a profile. And the profile is like, it's fine, but actually, you know, there's an aspect to social which is nice, which is just like the marquee aspect of it, of like seeing your name in lights. Like, congratulations to Cayenne, who's been here for 20 years. You know, and like, it doesn't have to be big lift, mm -hmm. right? But those are really simple things. And actually, like, think about it from a company perspective. If you wanted to highlight the fact that like you have a diverse range of employees, 
you could say once a week we're going to highlight an employee anniversary. So congratulations to Joe who's been here for two weeks. He works. He just joined us in engineering and came from Google. We got congratulations to Kai who's grown with us for 20 years and is now um, you know CTO and managing director. Like there, there's ways to kind of do that that can be very simple moments of celebration. But you know what? Joe's going to share that out. Kai's going to share that out. Um, and I think that, that that's important to like realize that not all social has to be like big heavy lift. Yeah. And something just going into that idea of what you said about relationships, I still want to get to know you. That just made me think of something kind of important here. So somebody that joins the company, somebody who's been here one year, they're still learning about yeah. the company. Yeah. That that learning continues. I don't think I mean possibly you know everything about jail oh, inside, not. right? <laughs> but um, but I think for most of the people there there is just this um, continuation of learning and maybe not about new things but older things, kind of the history yeah. of the company mm -hmm. as well. That's something that's ongoing. And does social play a bigger role in that area than something like internal comms? Yeah, and I, I, th I think it can, and I think it's the framing of your social as that, as an employee engagement, as a candidate and employee engagement channel, and I think mm -hmm. that there's, that's a significant opportunity. And actually, to that point, um, one of the things that we've even been exploring is going a step beyond the people who are directly aff affiliated with your organization, mm -hmm. and actually beginning to think about a third audience, which are friends and family of those people. Mm -hmm. And if you think about this, like, um, you know, particularly when you have multi-generational issues, but we've got several companies that, like, you know, especially if it's a slightly obscure kind of product that you're servicing, right? Like, people may not know what to do. And how many people, you know, say, I don't know what my dad does, I don't know what my mom does. Like, maybe social is an opportunity to kind of teach them about it. And if, you know, your husband, your wife, or your friends are interested in your company, that can be you know, a big opportunity because they're like, oh, I know Stephen works for J. Walter Thompson Inside, and I follow their Instagram, and it's really great, and, you know, and then you then you see OJ Walter Thompson Insight has a has a job, and maybe that person works in a in an adjacent industry or something like that. Like mm -hmm. it creates this circle, and that, that's where the social comes about, right? Is thinking about how do you create that level of social interaction off platform? Because in many cases, that's what we're trying to drive. Is we're not actually trying to drive on platform interaction. We're trying to drive the off platform interaction. Right. Yeah, yeah that's a really good point. So something you said, Jordan, was reminding me of a. Another burning question that I wanted to just make sure we got uh, a chance to chat about before, before our time was up, and, and this is when you said you mentioned internal cons, and we, this question came up was around, you know, should you have uh, individual channels for, say, like recruitment, for corporate communications, for, you know, like your consumer marketing? Should that be one channel? Like, how should that be managed? I think th this is something that, and I see it handled in a lot of different ways, like, there's clearly no consensus around yeah. this, right? Like, because we see it happening in all right. in all different combinations of ways. I think sometimes it's it's fun for someone who wants to know something very specific. So um, uh, one of the companies that we work with, I see that they have so many different social um, Twitter handles specific to the different types of careers that they have, mm -hmm. and um, and it's not just job postings; it's people actually posting content. I think that maybe for someone who wanted to only know about financial careers, that's great for them. They can just follow that one track. But I think for other people, especially as they're trying to get to know an organization, so if they're in that like awareness phase, you know, trying to get to know um, what it is that that company does, then it gets a little confusing. Hmm. I, I think I think to that point, it's important to consider how much your products are part of your employer brand equity. Um, and, and this is a conversation we've gotten into very, very heavily over the last year. Um, you know, HR, the number one things you can do is beef 
friends with your marketing people. Um, because the more antagonistic that, that relationship is, the worse it is. But I think, you know, you've got to look at your brand, you've got to look at it from a very, very honest perspective. But like, how many people really do kind of know your products? And that's why they're going to know and love you. And I think that like, you need to recognize that. And basically, if everybody likes you because you make widgets, Right, and everybody loves your widgets. Then, like your widgets, should begin to tell the story of your employer brand. And like in that case, it may make sense to not have a, a separate channel if you can get along well enough with marketing. Mm -hmm. um, or particularly size affects this, right? Right. If you're a small company, like don't create. If, and if you hire twenty people a year, don't create a separate channel. It's it's just idiotic, and you don't have a big enough audience. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're if you're Coke, right, and you've got like a huge huge number of people who are following you, like then it makes a lot of sense. And I, I can't say that there's a specific threshold that I would say in terms of number of jobs per year, but I think you have to look at how big is your audience very right. much, and I think you need to look at what is your relationship with marketing, um, how present is your corp comms. So um, if your corp comms is like PR machine, right, and they're mm -hmm. constantly pushing stuff out there, and if a lot of those articles are revealing behind the scenes things, then like maybe that cruise channel might make a little bit more sense. If they're not really doing much, and most of the marketing and everything that people know about you is through your product, then like, I think it's a little bit harder to sell, frankly, to have a, a, a channel, unless that product doesn't say what you want it to say about your organization. Hmm. So in cases where everyone knows your product but hates your product, then a careers channel is very, very important. Mm -hmm. But if everybody knows and loves your product, like I would say in some cases, like. As long as marketing's willing to throw in those jobs, like let the product do a lot of the storytelling for you and let your career site kind of tell that other side. Or Instagram, which is a great choice, actually. And I've seen increasingly people saying, the one channel I'm really gonna use for careers is Instagram because that's where we can show the behind the scenes. Very visual. And let the Facebook and the Twitter and stuff like that be really more driven by some of the corporate presence or the consumer presence. Do you, do you, think, it, do you think it matters um, how much your candidates overlap with your consumer? You know, because I think there's some cases where clearly they're very much the same audience, mm -hmm. and there's some cases where they're, they're actually quite different. I think it, it might, you know, yeah. uh, I would think about it in the way, like, why are they looking for this company, and, you know, why are they searching this company's name in the first place? Is it because they specifically wanted to know more about something that they're creating, or is it because they want to know more about what kind of opportunities they have there? Well, like, to me, the obvious example, right, is, is healthcare, yeah. for example. Okay. I think the... Their patient is very different from who they're hiring. Sure. Because mm -hmm. patients are, you know, it's very much a matter of like a certain circumstance versus pe people who are in the industry, you know, who yeah. work in. Well, I think it's it's a matter of also awareness level within that within your industry and how high is that awareness level. I think that that actually impacts it a lot. So, if you are known as an employer of choice, right? Figure. I mean, it's, it depends on what your social strategy is. Don't you know? Don't get me wrong, but I think there isn't a one size fits all. I think if you look at a lot of healthcare. Um, that is a very incestuous industry, right? A lot of people know what it's like. A lot of people jump from the same, you know, in, into the same system around. So people might have a really good knowledge about what it's like to work there, and that that's probably very determined by like Jenny over in IT and James, who's a nurse that they have, right? And that's really where the, your social isn't going to be able to move that perception too far one way or another. Um, so you you've got to think about like how do you want to use a social? How are you going to leverage that? That's where I would say like maybe gear social in that case more towards employees so they have those good stories to share out rather than necessarily candidates. Um, that, that might be a channel there. But it, that said, I mean, I think the careers channels can do a lot of really good work. Um, and, and for many places, it does make a lot of sense. I think it's just you have to consider how much time you want to invest in it, how much you can, you can invest in managing it. 
and in creating unique content. Because frankly, like 60 posts of like five interview tips gets a little old, <laughs> yeah. right? And it's not providing a lot of service We've journalism. We've seen that plenty and, of times. And service journalism is great. It's yeah. really, really important. You it know? gets a lot of reach. I mean, you yeah. have so many people that might just skim over your content anyways, but they, you know. But I think you need to see, like, things, but... is that saying something about your brand? Right. So the right. thing is, like, if you say, here are five interview tips, and they say, like, always, you know, and you can't include a picture, but, like, make sure to include, like, a drawing of something for whatever reason. <laughs> Um, if that's the case, then <laughs> a personal drive in, in a smelly marker. Um, but like, if that's the case, then you're you're basically telling a candidate like, this is what we expect to see. Right. So make sure that that and, and the source of that is is really relevant. So if that's like coming from BuzzFeed and you're a super super serious brand, that's going to seem a little weird right. to people. Right. So I think consider the brand implications of that stuff that you're retweeting and reposting, um, and your tone and voice. Because I think one of the things that you know Jordan and I really advocate for is around um, don't just post an article, post why the article is interesting. Like the context is is the most interesting thing. Mm -hmm. Like you know, here's five things we learned about a resume. Like okay, that's great, but like why is that interesting? Why and that helps me understand why I should read it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And Clyde, I'm going to go back to your question that started all of this. Were you in any way asking you know how um, if you have. Uh, an article, how you decide if that goes to consumer or if it's more appropriate for a cruise channel? Is that any part of what you're asking? Well, it was really, I think it was really more, you know, like I see lots of struggles with folks like between the different groups mm -hmm. and some, some of the struggles are fighting for who should completely own the one channel that they're, they're going to be allowed to have. And then I see other places where you have these two folks that are often separate camps, but there's very little communication between them, and I see lots of good content on either side that's very appropriate to the other, yeah. and there just isn't enough sharing, and it, it kills me when I see like all these inefficiencies on the one hand, and then the struggles on the other that just don't have to exist. Right. So, so it's more of like, it's just more of the, I feel like a lot of times folks end up with a certain configuration of either separate channels or a single channel for completely the wrong reasons. It's something entirely political. It's, it, it's and one person, political. one person just decided <laughs> like my marketing person hates me, and I read this in an article that we should do social work reviews. Yeah. And you're like, okay. I think, I think there's kind of a, a quick fix, and this doesn't apply to everything, but um, something that I think brands miss out on a lot, especially, um, especially careers channels. You know, when you're trying to create all this content, is the ability to share, to retweet. Yes. You know, to use somebody else's content, and now that you know you can you can say what you want about this, it's not just sharing it verbatim. Right. You can yeah. tell why this is important. So if the company has a new product, you get the ability to share that, which is going to bring some excitement um, to the careers channel because obviously that type of post probably performed really well on consumer. But you get to say now here's the engineer, here's the scientist behind that, or yeah. you know we have these capabilities or well, possibilities. Oh, yeah, it's like great. a huge mm -hmm. part of employer branding is really <coughs> offering a POV. Right. And I think right. that like that's that's really what. It, you know, I would say in many cases people are either connecting or, or, or both connecting with your product uh -huh. to some degree and your POV, yes. right? And, and your POV determines why that product exists in the first place. So mm -hmm. don't be afraid of that POV and like, it, it could be about a thousand things. So, you know, I look at like the fact that um, the word of the year this year, like across the board was um, like either identity or I think the American Linguist Society identified they as a singular pronoun. I, I realize this is hyper obscure, but um, but like I think Merriam-Webster said, like identity is the word of the year. 
So, you know, what a great thing for a company to sit there and talk about diversity. Not just say, we have a diversity program, but say, like, what is, you know, we're struggling to figure out what does identity mean within our organization? You know, and we, we recognize these current groups, but, like, what should we be playing around with? And, you know, and identity is as much about sort of ethnic and, you know, gender and, and, and all that stuff, but it all, your company is part of your identity. So you could be, you could have a whole conversation on social talking about the nature of identity, and I realize this is very atmospheric, but like, talking about like, what does, you know, maybe it's what does your company say about you? And maybe that's something that you pose to, um, to your people in your group, in your social channels, right? And what do you think working for JWT Inside says about you? Um, get some responses that way, and and so you're using something that seems unrelated to spark conversation into a better space. Yeah, that's terrific. Well, in true insight fashion, we could talk about pretty much any topic <laughs> all day long. And I, I mentioned this to many, you know, folks on in the previous podcast we did that, like being conversational is so much a part of our culture. Yeah. So having these kind of conversations are something that not only comes natural to us, but we we do this even when we're not on camera and not recording this for a podcast. Yeah. So. It's really terrific. I'm, I'm glad you guys could spend the time to talk about it. Thanks. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Jordan. Thanks, uh, Stephen. Thanks. And uh, yeah, we'll uh, circle back with everybody later. Yeah. Thanks. Do it again another time.